All right, in three, two. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks and a move. I'm Corey Johnson. October 4 gives us episode number 109. Well, just ahead, one of the biggest vaccine makers is getting ready for the next COVID. And after a massive oil spill off the Southern California coast, we have the CEO on tape explaining his now controversial plans for his offshore wells. And can a weapons detection company evolve technology, make schools safer? Sign Waves Yanov Suisse explains why he's bullish on a new technology that'll help keep guns out of schools. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With Era, customize your company watch list and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you listen to the Drill Down podcast on your smart speaker. Just turn to that smart speaker and say, play the Drill Down podcast. You'll hear our show. And the Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks and move and... We have the three most important developments in the world of business today with executive producer Isaac Webster. Corey, let's start with oil. We don't talk about oil prices very often, but we're going to today. Oil prices hit a seven-year high today, and that's because OPEC and Russia-led group of oil producers agreed to continue increasing production in measured steps deciding against opening the taps more widely. Now, this news driving crude prices to their highest level since 2014. I was amazing my 16-year-old this morning right after the open, showing her all of the oil stocks and the S&P 500. They're going straight up. She, she was not impressed. <laughs> I was going to say, what was her reaction? Actually, it was, the, it was actually the, the, the Russell 1000, and at least right at the open this morning, the 10 biggest movers in the Russell 100, 1000, I should say, were all oil stocks. What'd she say? Dad, move out of the way. Something to that effect. Is that what she sounds like? No, she doesn't. That's, that's, an, <laughs> that's an impression of my sister, actually. All right, let's move on to Qualcomm. Qualcomm has successfully teamed up with an investment firm in the hopes of advancing its self-driving car goals. Qualcomm said the investment firm SSW Partners would acquire auto technology company Vioneer for $37 a share and uh, then sell the company's Arriva sensor and driving software platform to Qualcomm. The deal plucks Vioneer from Canada's Magna, which agreed in in July, it agreed to buy Vioneer for $31.25 a share to boost its own autonomous driving efforts. Nice trade from Qualcomm swooped in. Yeah. And let's move on to Sony, Uh, a pandemic milestone for Hollywood. Sony sequel Venom, Let There Be Carnage, opened over $90 million domestically at the box office over the weekend, surpassing not only its own expectations, but also every other film that opened during COVID-19, and that includes Black Widow and Shang-Chi. The film, Venom, also added almost $14 million overseas, and that doesn't, and it hasn't even opened in China yet. The new Venom sequel, uh, or the Venom sequel, I should say, even had a better opening than its 2018 pre-pandemic predecessor. Yeah, but here, so here's the thing. So the, this this is supposedly bullish for the AMCs and everyone in the world. 2021, even with a big Venom uh, release, 
stinks compared to 2019. We are so far below the box office from 2019 that these blockbusters that have a good weekend are masking a really lousy business that the movies have become for lots of obvious reasons we all know. But I think we've got to really start to see the forest for the trees here. The forest is rapidly thinning. Well, I just th- I think that it's also a rebalancing. We just, I don't know, you can't really compare it to the old days well, of but, your- Right, but you've got all these these investors who are trying to, or, you know, and these day traders are trying to do that or saying, hey, sure. Venom was huge, movies are back. And the no. business just flat out isn't back. And and given the indebted levels of these, these companies, the, the theater chains in particular, uh, it's worrisome. And not just that, the habits. People like watching movies at home, like like we do. Corey, what stocks you're drilling down on today? Let's start with Bio and Tech. Bio and Tech trades that are BNTX shares fell today, but they've gained 208% in a year. What's new with Bio and Tech? So Bio and Tech, of course, is the giant drug maker that uh, helped make the Pfizer, what's known as the Pfizer, but actually the Pfizer Bio and Tech. Uh, vaccine, the first, of course, vaccine approved uh, for COVID. It's a $60 billion company now, thanks in part to what COVID has done to their business. Well, over the weekend, the CEO was out, out uh, the German CEO, Uger Sain, uh, talking to the Financial Times and said that they're probably going to need a new formula and a new vaccine by mid-2022, that's a year from now, not even a year from now, to protect against future virus mutations. Yes, the next covid they're getting ready for. Um, they, of course, you know, have had this experience because they spent so many years developing the technology uh, that they could then quickly put to use with a COVID vaccine. But they, uh, the quote from the FT uh, with from the CEO saying, "This year, a different vaccine is completely unneeded, but by mid next year, it could be a different situation, a tailored uh, version of a vaccine to target new strains." And he says, "The virus will stay. The virus will further adapt." We have no reason to assume the next generation virus will be easier to handle for the immune system than the existing generation. It's a continuous evolution. The evolution has just started. Well, that explains why BioNTech thinks it's going to have a thriving business for a long time after COVID-19. Another reason is boosters. Uh, Just uh, about a week ago, the chief uh, strategy officer for BioNTech talked at the Morgan Stanley conference about, um, you know, why the boosters were such an important part to their business going forward, um, even though uh, you have people who are protected in hospitals because they're vaccinated, the booster makes such a huge difference. Here's Chief Strategy Officer Ryan Richardson. You know, if you imagine a scenario where you've got, you know, let's say you, you go from 97 percent, 95 plus percent protection against severe disease, um, even to a case where you've got 85 percent protection against severe disease. You're still ending up with, you know, more than half of the people in, in, in hospital uh, would be there because they weren't triple vaccinated, they weren't vaccinated with the third dose. And so we think that that still is a compelling case on multiple fronts, again, for this, for this broader third dose application based on the data. So pushing hard for that booster shot across everyone who can possibly get it, that does seem to be in the cards, Isaac. Corey, what is your next drill down? Uh, not just because we're big fans of the band Kansas. The company's called Perion. Not Perion, my wayward son. It's Perion Network. <laughs> wow, that was, a, that was a stretch. I wasn't ready for that one. Uh, Perion trades under P-E-R-I. Shares gained 5% today, and they've gained 177% 
over the past 12 months. What's going on with Perion Network? There, there is a guy outside of our office in San Francisco playing an acoustic guitar who's playing Carry On My Way Where It's On over and over and over and over and over again. So when I saw that Perion Networks had done an acquisition, I thought, well, it's time to dig into Perion. Okay, so Perion is a company, an Israeli technology company, who is really, they didn't describe their business this way, but here's what they did. They enabled pop-up ads for websites that would get senior citizens, other people accidentally click on things and subscribe to things that they didn't mean to. And it was just this noxious, not just senior citizens. You know, these were, these, these actually had a lot of ads that did target. Oh, they targeted them. I was going to say, we all, or at least their customers did. Well, they've been trying to shift their business and other things, not least of which, because some of the big companies like Google and Facebook have tried to fight the ability of these technologies to redirect users to other places. Well, they did a big video content acquisition. They acquired a company called VidaZoo for a video content and, and yield management platform. So the videos actually get hosted on their sites. So they can put whatever kind of pop-ups or whatever kind of ads they want to and allow the uh, the content owners to really better track what happens to their content after people start clicking on it in ways that YouTube and Vimeo perhaps don't. So uh, much like Perion founded in, in Israel, uh, VideoZoo was founded in 214 in Tel Aviv. Uh, and it's an automation tool for posting video placements and optimizing demand of the, those uh, um, uh, people looking for those videos, uh, all on a site that lets them supposedly track them a lot better, like I said, YouTube and Vimeo. Uh, and there's a $35 million cash deal with a bunch of earnouts. As a result, the earnings, the operating earnings from VideoZoo are going to flow straight through to Perion. They say it'll be creative right off the start. Um, and for them, uh, it's a it's a way to spend a little bit of cash, promise them more cash later, but increase their earnings and indeed increase their revenues, which they've promised will be a creative in this year. Now, what's the big difference between YouTube, Vimeo, and say VideoZoo? Well, VideoZoo is about 200 publishers. They're big advertisers like Stroil Media and Germany, investing.com. Um, and what they say is they're really focused on making sure that their customers can see the results. Here is the co-founder of VideoZoo, Daniel Slevkin. What makes us very unique in that sense is that the technology is our proprietary and our culture and, and, and the way to focus our business is always a performance-driven attitude, meaning that we provide to publishers the technology that creates and drives the highest uh, payout in terms of you know the, the the dollar that they're getting for every ad, uh, and it's all being done through the sophisticated and comprehensive yield management platform that we've been building since 2014, and this is our secret sauce that eventually can you know mix all of the programmatic demand and the direct demand together that publisher can get the highest dollar for the for the least uh, ads that they can show to the users. So a big deal for Perion. Corey, what is your next drill down? Well, let's look at a company that's much smaller than it used to be, Amplify Energy. It's only got about $123 million market cap today. Had a lot more before that. Amplify Energy trades under AMPY. Shares tumbled almost 44% today. They've, But over the past 12 months, they have gained 319%. But today, yeah, it was a doozy. Because Amplify Energy is the company that oversees the, both the pipeline and some offshore wells that may be the cause of the oil link that is polluting uh, the shores off of Southern California and Orange County 
uh, Huntington Beach, uh, as far north as Huntington Beach, known as Surf City, just disgusting, noxious oil washing up on shore, uh, which looks like it's from Houston-based Amplify Energy's pipeline. Um, so, of course, the CEO isn't talking. Nobody's talking from that company. Uh, they have said that they've shut down their pipeline. But uh, interestingly, um, they had actually been working to upgrade the infrastructure of their pipeline. They wanted to have some new drilling in that area and they had planned for the rest of this year. It's unclear if the drilling had started or whether the work was connected to an oil link. Um, so I started digging into this today, pun not intended. Uh, and the company uh, spoke at, I'm going to call it my favorite oil and gas conference flat out, the Intercom Conference, uh, which is typically held in Denver, where you have just dozens, if not hundreds of oil companies uh, presenting. Well, at that most recent conference, uh, the Amplify Energy CEO, Martin Wilshire, talked about uh, what the company is and what their plans are and suggested that the company is relatively uninteresting, but the most exciting thing they had going on could be offshore California if they could just change their operations up a little bit. So I want you to listen to what uh, uh, their take was on their, you know, they've got other business, like a business in Oklahoma, Wyoming, East Texas, the Eagle Ford, um, but those offshore California wells, they think as, uh, saw as really bullish if they could just get more oil out of the ground than other companies had, specifically saying that most of the similar fields onshore were getting 35 to 40% of the oil out of the ground. These offshore ones were only getting 10 or 11% saying, hey, if we could just drill these up a little bit more, we'll get more production out of this. We don't even have to get permits for new wells. We've got the existing wells right there on site offshore. Here is CEO Martin Wilshire in words that uh, could come back to haunt him. Let's talk about beta. So offshore in California are usually two bad words in the oil industry, um, but this is a very unique asset. Um, unlike most assets in offshore California, our pipeline goes straight into the shore and straight into the refineries. There is no pipeline across the state of California. We barely deal with the state of California in anything that we do. This is in federal waters. Um, obviously, there was a lot of news earlier in the year when Biden passed the or did the executive order and the, the moratorium on leasing and permits. We were still getting permits during the moratorium. We don't have to frack anything. We're not the guys that are really tripping up the environmentalists. Like I said, we, this is a very simple operation that just happens to be on water. Um, what we're doing now, which I've excited to do, like I said, there's only about 10 or 11% of oil recovered in place, analogous fields on shore 35 to 40%. So we are developing this differently than it's been done in the past. Historically, there was basically verticals across all six of these zones and you were just perforating the zones. What we're doing is taking the technology that's been perfected onshore, taking it offshore, and the D and the F signs, which you can see are the most prolific here. We're going to be drilling extended laterals through the D and the F sands. Now, we have very conservative estimates for what these can do, but if you think about this from an offshore perspective, almost all of this is fixed cost. There's probably a dollar fifty to two dollars of incremental variable costs. The rigs are on the platforms. We're not mobilizing any new rigs to drill these wells. We're starting off slow with a couple of sidetracks in, in the second half of this year. Those are already in progress. Early next year, we're going to be drilling new wells that are going to be 1,500 to 2,000 foot laterals. That proves successful. There's a lot of running room out here. Maybe less now. 
So again, these lateral wells, so the, the traditional technology for drilling, drilling an oil well was like you just took a straw and you stuck it straight down into the ground, cased the well with steel and you pumped up what you can get. The modern technology is horizontal or lateral, what he called lateral drilling, where you essentially you stick that hole in the ground, then you bend the straw and it goes sideways across the zones. Of course, the earth cross settled horizontally, laterally, not vertically. Of course, there's, there's angles to it, but, but the horizontal settling of the earth's crust means that the oil is trapped in horizontal uh, regions and their plans for drilling that surely will face a different kind of scrutiny after this big leak this weekend from this company. And it'll be curious to see whether any new drilling uh, may have contributed to this leak. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to talk to Sinewis Yanis Suisa about a really interesting technology being used to de detect individuals as they walk into schools and, and other places trying to hide weapons. But first. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. As promised, we've got our, our friend Yaniv Suisa here uh, from uh, SineWave. And he's got a company called Evolve that he wants us to take a look at. What is Evolve, Yaniv? Evolve's a really cool company. It's a little different uh, than your average tech startup that we invest in at um, SineWave because it's a mix of the digital and physical worlds, So what, which I would argue is happening more and more. Uh, so what Evolve does is they're a leader in touchless security screening. So they're an AI-based platform. Uh, that is able to, at venues, at office buildings, at, you know, at museums, at schools, they're able to scan uh, thousands of people an hour without you moving slower, or taking off your bags or anything like that, and really tell, do you have any weapons? Do you have any bombs? Do you have anything um, suspicious? They also are able to tell, do you have a fever, which is particularly interesting uh, in today's modern COVID world. Um, so really cool company, kind of, I would say, you know, the next generation of physical security. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating, uh, this, this, because this is a, sadly a booming business, uh, pun intended, but it, it's because how else are we going to have fun <laughs> with this horrible stuff? But it, it's, it's terrifying what happens, and especially in the United States. I mean, you, 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 you know, you think about bombings perhaps in, in other places of the world, but what's happening with weapons and guns in this part of the world, you're in Puerto Rico, but I'm, I'm here in California and all, all throughout America. Um, these are uh, terrifying issues that uh, venues and schools and increasing now businesses have to consider. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's, it's good for Evolve from a business growth perspective, uh, but unfortunately, the reason that Evolve is growing so fast is because of the need for this security tenor across many different kinds of venues and operations. Uh, and so it is a unique uh, dynamic in the industry. And when you add on the health element to it now with COVID, which is a new level of that, right, it becomes even more compelling as a business. I mean, the global TAM is over 20 billion annually. So it's a pretty fantastic uh, operation. Now, how does the technology work? 
So it, you could think, I'll try to simplify it for, for the folks listening. It, you could think of it as a millimeter wave kind of scanner type of technology, right? Similar to kind of the thing you'd go through in TSA, but it's not a big booth or anything like that. Think of it as just a large kind of pole type of thing, more like a, a box type of pole that you just walk by. Um, and you don't need to slow down or take off your bags or anything like that. And what it is doing is it is using AI, it's using a few different components. It's using AI, artificial intelligence, uh, powerful sensors, uh, unlike those that exist in current screening um, processes. It, it integrates into the security infrastructure of the venue, so it has additional data on the entire venue, and so that comprehensive analysis. And then it collects a bunch of data signatures and is constantly reinforcing the data it gets. So combining all of those things, a bit of the biometric, a bit of video, a bit of sensors, and, and these data sources, it's able to tell you, you know, who's going into your venue, what they're up to, um, and of course, screen for health and, and, and danger. So, you know, if, if they're going, so are you saying artificial intelligence? Let's, I'm going to, I'm going to push back, not just against you. I'm going to now from, from now on, when somebody mentions artificial intelligence, machine learning, I'm just going to push back on that because I always think that that's, I know that you mean something by that. I think often our guests just throw that word out there and they fold as soon as I ask them what that means. Are you what do you mean it uses artificial intelligence? Corey, are you suggesting that might be a buzzword? I'm suggesting <laughs> it's, a, it's at best a buzzword. At worst, it's companies that don't actually have good technology pretending like they do. In what way does this use artificial intelligence? What do you mean by that phrase? Yeah, so at SignWave, you know, my venture fund, we look at a lot of artificial intelligence type companies. And I do so think you know. the word I do think the word is used vaguely by a lot of folks. In a lot of cases, it's advanced data analytics. Um, and it's and the way I think the public sometimes thinks about it from the media is, you know, you're you know, the matrix. Right. Um, and so it's somewhere in between in the case of Evolve. So they have significantly advanced data analytics and software behind what they're doing, but the technology is actually able to learn. So there's the artificial intelligence element of it, right? It's able to put different pieces together to understand what's happening, right? So it, it brings in context and different data and then reinforces it. So let's say um, it sees a particular, um, it sees a particular package, but it knows that this particular venue wouldn't be expecting someone to be carrying that, right? And so it's able to make that link between two things to identify a problem. Is it also contextualized for um, the type of event it is? Uh, for example, uh, if you see, you know, that you might want to be more alert at a Toby Keith concert than at a Metropolitan Opera? No, it is actually able, it does everything at the highest levels. So in, in the most uh, effective screening. So there's no kind of like, oh, well, you can tone it down a little bit because you don't want to screen. But why would you want to? Because literally 3,600 people an hour can pass by this thing without slowing down at the normal pace of life. Whereas, so it's 10x faster than a normal screen and it can do literally 10x more people. Um, and so you don't really need to reduce the, um, the accuracy of it. But you can add things onto it. So uh, a good example, um, and this is the option of a customer, right, on how they want to do it. Um, but you can add something like facial recognition onto it. And so there are some customers of Evolve, uh, particularly in the corporate business space, right, who throw conferences or big events or have big campuses uh, throughout the country um, who want to know, are there protesters coming onto this property or into my conference? 
and is that going to disrupt? You know, I'll, I'll give an example. I'm not saying this is one of the customers, but at a recent Amazon event, you know, a protester got in and charged Bezos on the stage. And it was a huge issue for his physical security, but also disrupting of the business conference. So that's an example of, their, you know, if, if Amazon were using Evolve for their conferences, they could use that additional kind of add-on. And that's the, the beauty of Evolve, that it really is a system that you can continue to, moduli- to, to add modules on top of, right? You're basically putting a database and physical hardware piece on someone's campus or physical location, and then being able to add on all this data-based, software-based analytics in whatever way you want to use it. It seems really groundbreaking, yet the company, according to its SEC filings, only owns six U.S. patents. What is it about, uh, what's the history of this technology for them? So the team is really interesting. The team has a deep bench in security, and uh, particularly some of the founding team and technologists have uh, have built several security companies. I think what Evolve has done, and this you see, you know, I do venture, as you know, on a day-to-day basis. So whenever you're seeing startups, one of the key differentiating factors is sometimes you have these traditional industries, right? So the security or metal detector, if I'm being even more crude industry, right? Um, that isn't on top of tech. Right. And isn't thinking about how to integrate data and how to merge the physical and digital. They're still using humans, right? There's still people patting people down and looking at the screen to see what they can see on someone's body. Right. Um, And so I do think one of the key things came from from the merging of those two. Um, Now, merging physical technology with software is not an easy thing to do. I would say some of the hardware is an innovation, uh, but a lot of the software is the innovation. So explain to me there are different buckets of revenue. No product revenue and service revenue makes sense. Service revenue is fixing or maintaining the products. But what is the subscription revenue from this company? So, you know, product revenue you could think of as someone selling the actual physical device, right? So the, the you can, as a customer of Evolve, if you want, buy the physical infrastructure. You can pay the full price for it. And then it's yours. And then, of course, as a service, you can have the maintenance and the upgrades and the software and all of that element. But the the glory of a traditional company with exciting software bringing on venture capitalists like SineWave to invest in it is that you automatically get moved to something of a software as a service model, i.e. subscription. And uh, one of the great things about Evolve is they now offer and they just started this. It's their Express product, which is their flagship product. They started about, I'd say it's probably about two years ago, they started offering it as a subscription. So instead of owning the full, um, the hardware that's on your, the, you know, the, the detector, you're actually paying it as a subscription. And so that business has been growing pretty substantially. Um, from like 2020, um, their revenue grew about 590%. And then in 2021, that revenue increased by 558%. Uh, similar in TCV and other um, metrics. So um, that's really how it's been working. And then the nice thing about, the interesting thing about subscription businesses, which I know, Corey, you interview a lot of these, is certainly in the initial phases, uh, the money, you're selling a lot more, your contract value is high, but the revenue coming into the company is slower, right? Because it's over many, many months. So you need to make sure you capitalize the business well in order while those subscription are coming in and building and building and building until you're really at the scale you need to be. 
Um, and so Evolve has done a good job of that. And it's part of the reason they went public in order to raise the money to, to be effective at that. Now, you're an, an earlier investor, a venture investor in this company. Company chose to go public through a SPAC. And I don't like to dwell too much in sort of finance. I'm much more interested in business, uh, not the financial aspects. But why do a SPAC? Um, and, you know, it, it, it seems like there's, a, there's some risks there. There's some benefits to rushing out the door, but there's some risks there in terms of providing the guidance about what the company is going to do and opening yourself up to all sorts of issues there. Yeah, I'll, I'll describe very briefly what a SPAC is uh, and then talk about why Evolve did it. So, you know, a SPAC is a quicker way or, or a more simplified way of going public or doing an IPO. So it essentially becomes like an IPO at the end of the day. But the way it works is a shell company, a financing group, essentially, files as a public company. And they're, they're a shell on the, on the public exchange. And then they buy a startup, right? So they're transforming into the startup or not always or a you, startup. You drop sometimes the startup a into business. the shell for an exchange for cash. Exactly. And so uh, it's an easier way to go public, as you probably know, and your viewers probably, uh, your listeners probably know, this was a very, very hot market a few months ago and is now kind of slowed or become a plateaued a bit. Um, I think that's because we're waiting for the wheat to separate from the chaff. I do think it is a long-term play. Yeah, there was um, but a lot the, of garbage that came came out that way. And there's also a change in the accounting rules around warrants, which made it a little more transparent how much these things could get diluted very shortly after going public. That's exactly right. But the way the reason they chose to go public is because one, you can raise, I mean, think about it uh, from a venture or a startup perspective. If you're if someone's offering you 350, you know, in Evolve's case, they raised um I think it was like three, uh, I'll get you the number in a second, but they raised $385 million. So if someone right. is offering you $385 million at a multi-billion dollar valuation, it's the cheapest money you're going to get. It's a lot of money to next be able to, to revenues. Next to revenues right? are the cheapest money you're going to get. Well, that's true too. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly from a financial raise perspective, it's the yeah. cheapest you're going to get. It's going to set you up to compete in a massive way. I think this is why SPACs were so hot, because if your competitor was going after it, you better go after it too, because now Evolve has a war chest of $385 million to grow the business, to acquire companies, to compete, right? And if you view the, the SPAC, um, and the reason, by the way, those valuations are high is because we know public markets investors are all about growth when it comes to the startup world. So they anticipate huge growth from the company um, and expect it to grow into that valuation or higher. Um, and so that's why it's valued very highly. And the, the other reason you want to be in it, uh, you want to be in the SPAC is because it gives you additional access to capital as you go along. Uh, and in the, um, yeah, so I think that would be the summary of why they chose to do a SPAC. It's really that competitive dynamic, that financing dynamic, um, and, it's, and it's cheap money to be able to really build your business. Well, it is an interesting business and one that we certainly will keep an eye on because this is a, it's, it, I, th I think you're right. I think that, you know, the, the, in the world where you're selling to government, you know, metal detectors, right? You're, you tend to not sell to cutting edge customers who are they're, they're buying from approved buyers, not from the best uh, and brightest maybe evolve to prove to be just that certainly most recent growth suggests that even on a small number, how small that number we're going to talk about how small the revenues are for this billion dollar company evolve when the drill down continues. The drill down is brought to you by era with era. Give yourself an information advantage, connect 
directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's era, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And we're happy to say you can listen to the Drill Down podcast on your Amazon Alexa speaker. Just say to the speaker, Alexa, play the Drill Down podcast. You'll hear it right there, right then. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod. And connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right, we are back with the Drill Down and the Drill Down Bite. I promised you a number for this uh Called a billion-dollar company, Evolve Technologies. In the last year, the revenues for Evolve Technology are just five million twenty-seven thousand dollars. So, a very small wow. business thus far. However, grown real fast. That's uh, through the quarter ended. Uh, the year ended in June, uh, but they did you know about five million in the six months before June. They did about seventy-three thousand in the six months the year before. So, this, this business is growing. It's very small, but growing very fast. And maybe that's the kind of growth multiple that some people in the public markets like with this uh, new stock, Isaac. Growth is good, right? Sure. So it's greed. We learned that in business class, right? Now, greed isn't good. That was old school. That is old school. Now they say self-care routines are good. They are. What's the difference between a self-care routine and greed? All right. I think we should move on. All right. Well, you can can ponder that. You can get to us on Twitter if you come up with a difference between a self-care routine and greed. It won't be hard. (laughs) We'll have all that more next time on the Drill Down Podcast. Until then, I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down is a production of the Business Podcast Network.